So, this is episode two of my podcast, the Davy Podcast. Today, I discovered just how hard it is to live. And I remember I used to blame Jace on the fact that he couldn't live for me. But now I find myself in the same situation. You know, apparently for 21 days, Mahatma Gandhi went without eating. I think I always thought that you would die without three days of eating. But I was wrong. I guess it's also depending on your willpower to live. Looking back at it, I wonder how much willpower I had to live. Often I think for people who are victims of PTSD or childhood abuse, the pain, it's easy to live when you're in the abuse because it's your either having a fight or flight reaction. You're not dealing with the backlash or, I don't know, whiplash of all the effects you're going through until after. And usually it doesn't even settle in a week after. Honestly, Jace's death didn't set in for me for a long time. And... Even the consequences of what happened in India with my mother didn't set in for a while either. Unfortunately for me, Davy, it would set in, though. It's interesting, because I think back on it now every time I was fighting with my mom and she would call me the most horrendous things. A... I don't know if it's even I'm even allowed to say it, but a sex worker, someone who engages in promiscuous activities with my own father. It's funny how those things stayed burnt in my mind, no matter how much I wanted to get rid of it. Even now, her telling me that I just solely depend on her money makes one not want to live. That's the thing that's complicated, is I know that my father would say, well, you chose to live this life, you chose to choose her. But how are you expecting a delusional 15-year-old, 16, and even 17-year-old to make the right decisions? When I was 17, I had went to live with my father for the rest of 12th grade. But I had already felt so broken by then. It felt like there was nothing worth living. I kept myself alive off of the thought of Jace. But everything felt so miserable. I used to say it felt like I was going on this flat line. Like with the heartbeat, it was before, if I had two heartbeats, with my dad it was calm and serene, but it was flat. Like I was just dealing with everything in my head, but nothing was happening. So it just made me feel dead inside. Whereas with my mother, it was like you were finding such highs, 
some days were the best days of your life and some days were the worst days of your life. If I had gone to live with my father a lot earlier in life, I don't think I'd be in this position now. However, I've seemed to come to the conclusion that my worst enemy itself was just the word fate or the concept of fate. When I went back to live with my mom at 17, things had gotten so much worse, all because of a silly little crush I had. But the abuse wouldn't stop, the insults wouldn't stop. I remember her talking about me trying to use my beauty to seduce what was at that time a crush of mine. And so I had carved into my face two marks to look like a clown, to look like I was shedding scars down my face. It was one of the things in my life that made me wonder just how far could I also go? My mom was always known for taking it too far with family arguments. She'd always push it too far. With her spirituality, it was always too far. With the insults she said to her daughter, it was always too far. There's never any boundaries or respect. That was just not something that was part of our family, me and mom. But a long time ago, I used to just give in to a lot of the things she wanted for me. She thinks I never did. But I gave in to her claiming that my father did witchcrafts on her. I gave in to all her moves as much as I hated it. Yes, there might have been words of protest. But I'd never really fought like I did to go to university. I remember every day screaming and crying. Standing at the ledge of the... Um, I guess a terrace or some sort of outdoor seating in front of, on the second floor. And I remember she would say, don't do it, you know, you're not even going to die. I would just end up breaking a leg. But I used to hope that somehow I'd fall on my neck. Of course, realistically, I would have probably just broken an arm. It was like fighting for my life felt like so much. I remember how spiteful I was to be in that house every day. It was clear that my dog didn't even need me either. Nobody needed me. But yet I was here trapped in my own mother's house, trying so hard to escape and go to university. Eventually there would be days where I'd be so upset, I'd spill my own floor on the white marble that happened to be my bedroom. It was almost like I was blackmailing her with suicide to get out, but I just didn't have any control. I needed to escape my tower. I hadn't seen my friends for months now, and I just felt so dead inside. Finally, I was sent to university at the end of November. 
which I was grateful for because I still had to deal with the leftover damage. It's funny how now, almost three years later, (laughs) I'm thinking about how my blood was spilt across that white marble floor and how my the pages of my tech my drawings were somewhat covered in blood my mom probably claims it was demons and the reason why is that i let negativity into my head and didn't pray or she would blame the concept of vastu now for people who don't know Fosto is similar to feng shui. It's that certain aspects of your house should be built in a certain way. Like, for example, you should keep your northeast corner of your house clean or you will get certain bad luck. Or if you have a kitchen in the west corner, it would mean that, you know, you would burn all your finances. I never really believed in Vastu because... You know, for all my life, I had, we had been told we cannot sleep with our head facing to the north. But it's not like that didn't stop me from being suicidal. As well as I remember a story about my grandfather dying, even though they had moved into a better Vastu house. Vastu seemed to be a fiction to me, which it probably is. But that's the thing. My mother could never understand that it was not any of these issues that caused the problems that we had with each other. But again, she probably wasn't capable of seeing past that reasoning. She never wanted to live in the practical world. And the problem is... She continued to make decisions that would affect my own life in a way that it would be harder and harder for me to go back to the practical world as well. It makes me think a lot about how I think now Jace was sympathetic to my mother. He had his own manipulations with it. But I had never really heard him curse out my mother or claim that she was a terrible parent. If anything, he was quiet whenever I complained. He was quiet whenever I cried that I couldn't bear with her anymore. My friend Joe, on the other hand, thought my mom was the biggest of evils and that and had zero sympathy towards her. He had once came across me sitting on the roof of my two-bedroom house while my mom was shouting for the entire town to hear all sorts of obscenities at me. And he told me, who is screaming like that at you? My mother, of course. And he said, should I go in there and freaking punch her? I was like, are you crazy? Don't do that. I would just get in more trouble. Two, I don't think I would have wanted to see her punched as much as she, at times I had felt she deserved it. 
thinking back, me and my mom had a lot of physical altercations. One of the ones I really remember was between when she had called the cops on Molly's family in India. She had claimed they had kidnapped me and that I'm not sure what else she claimed, but the police indeed came. And I remember Molly's father shouting, I don't want to, I'm sorry, but I don't want to ever see you again to me. Because it was so humiliating to see my mother pull this. And I remember Molly's mother saying, do you want to destroy your child's life? Why are you doing this? That night, I had went home and I had swallowed as many pills as I could to just make it end. I no longer wanted to be her daughter. I no longer wanted to live in this world where I knew I would never escape from her. Swallowing all those pills. And I had told my cousin and my friend Molly at the time and it was hard it was definitely hard but my will to live had overcome my desire to die and somehow i ended up opening the door and telling my mom that i needed to go to the hospital because i swallowed maybe 50 pills. I still don't know how many pills I swallowed till date. I kind of wonder sometimes. And after that, I was taken to the hospital, to which I'm pretty sure I was starting to feel high off of all the pills I had taken. And the doctor said put me in and my mom brought some of the packages of the medicine she had put in me not she had put in me that I had put in myself and the doctors said we need to get her like we need to pump this out of her immediately these things could be damaging for life I remember that night I made an Instagram live saying that I'm going to die. I'm going to die, and I'm going to die because of my mom. I wanted the entire world to know. It would have been funny had I tried to pull something like that now. I wasn't. In India, so many kids were trying to die. So what did make difference did it make with another one? However, in the Western countries, like America... I'm sure the police would have been alerted. This is the first time in my life I had ever come into contact with being in the hospital for an emergency. I remember that they had taken a tube and were trying to shove it up my nose to pump out everything. But it was so painful. I know maybe it was because I was fighting that was painful but 
it was so painful. And I remember seeing that after they had tried with one nose, I could see all the blood all over the tube. So much blood. And it made me, like, I started screaming, You did this to me. You did this to me. At my mother. Her face was wide with concern. But all I felt was anger seeing that much blood. They had finally managed to get the tube on the left side, I think, of my nostril. As well as while they were sticking the thing in me, they managed to somehow get an IV into my my left hand. I don't even remember what the IV felt like. I remember feeling like that was bliss compared to the tube in my nose. Finally, they spent the entire thing pumping it out of me and pumping saline into me, as well as putting saline into my bloodstream. As I said, some of the drugs I had taken were things that would directly go into my bloodstream without being traced. So I spent... And the entire night being pumped with saline. My uncle had come to visit me that night, as well as my aunt. And I remember just wondering, why do this? Why be in this situation? It was so terrible. My family would probably think of suicide as a cowardly thing. And maybe it's true that suicide is a cowardly thing to do. If you know that there's even one other person that loves you in this world, suicide is extremely cruel. However, I don't... It's hard for people to understand that Even though I have five people who dearly love me, it's still so hard to take another step in the world. After that, I stay in the hospital for around two, three days. I wanted to get out and leave. Our maid was quite happy to be in the hospital watching cartoons as I sat there and my bed in a hospital gown and an ivy in my hand on the on the second day they removed the tube from my nose and it was painful i thought it would be relieving to have the tube out of my nose because the tube went all the way down my throat to my stomach but It was so painful to get it removed out as well. I had always saved the photos to look back on it. I think out of spite, I had even sent it to Jace to be like, Are you happy? Is this not what you've wanted? I don't know what he actually wanted now. Sometimes I think in my darkest moments, he's waiting for me to join him. The other night, when I was holding someone I think I'm in love with, I could see Jay standing over me, watching me. 
like I was doing some atrocious crime, like I deserved to be punished. All these nights when I was alone, I could feel him in my nightmares doing the same things over and over and over and over again to me. It was just so painful. It's so painful to feel like your body is not your body. At this point, it feels like my body never belonged to me. It was always somebody else's mistake. I think in some weird way, had I had my dog, I would have been able to maybe survive all of this. But at the same time, I think to myself, that's what my mom did. She got the dog to keep me with her. And yet, the dog doesn't even need me anymore. I wonder, it's a strange thought to think someone doesn't need you and that's why they killed themselves. But maybe Jace didn't need me either. It was his way of throwing me aside and abandoning me. Might be sounding cruel to say that about someone who killed themselves. But he's one of the reasons that waking up every day is so difficult. It's funny. I remember thinking about this memory where right before I entered my high school in New York, my mom screamed at me and called me a buffalo. And one of my classmates heard it and looked aside and, like, didn't say anything. And I just ran in crying to the guidance counselor. <sighs> I'm pretty sure all my guidance counselors knew I wasn't in a healthy situation with my mom. I had consecutively gotten bad grades. I was unable to study. I had no motivation to study because I barely had the motivation to live. It's not like it would make a difference whether I got good grades or bad grades. My mom didn't really care. She might have cared when I got bad grades and she felt like she was embarrassed when the teachers had to come by. At one point, she did put me in math tutoring. But it was always more of a whim for her. Maybe people will say you should have... Not everything is about your parents. You should have... Achieve the motivation to study on your own. But all my life, I've never really felt like Davy. I've always felt like something like a doll. A long time ago, my mom said she thought having a child would be like having a doll. She could dress it up and play with it. And it's funny. In some weird way, I think there were moments in my life where I used to act like a doll. I would let my mom have her way with me. I would let Jace have his way with me. It's like, what are you supposed to do in that situation? I think maybe what would have been the intelligent thing to do was run away and start working at 17. Like, I've seen some teenagers do but that's why it's kind of funny because i think being rich is sometimes worse you're much more trapped by the confines of wealth 
to leave a situation. You can't really work in India at 17 years old and not as a citizen of India. I don't know any of the local languages of India as well. So to work in India, minimum wage-paying jobs wouldn't have afforded you anything. So there was no escape in India, as well as being a woman in India might have been, I was more likely to get trafficked than actually get a well-paying job. And there's the fact that my mom would never let me work a job in India. She could have just hired thugs to drag me back home. Sometimes as a child, I used to be afraid that she would hire a thug to kill me if I really messed up. Nowadays, maybe she would, but I don't care. I don't care if she hires a thug to kill me. I don't care if she got punished or not about it. She used to tell me if I ever did P-O-R-N, she'd kill me and then kill herself. I still think it was a really funny statement because I thought maybe I would get rich off of get have some bodyguards and put her in jail before she could touch me. But at the same time, I know I would not have been happy doing that. I would have ended up killing myself that way, too. I had no interest in being a sexual object on the internet. I just was trying to find an easy means of escape. The best thing to do would have been to do a manual labor job and get out. But my will to live was already so diminished. And then I dated, of course. Which was probably not the best of ideas. I don't think it was breakups that ever really hurt me. Even now, I'm pretty sure all my friends think it's the breakup for the reason I'm acting this way. But they're wrong. My most recent breakup was a tap on an already cracking glacier or iceberg. It was going, it was an already crumbling building that just the slightest of wind could make crash. In my head, I think I do need him, but I also know that it would also just prolong the inevitable. And what's the point of prolonging things and making people suffer more? It is definitely not Recently, I got, I lost a friend, not to death or anything. We had a row, you could say, and our friendship ended. It was someone I had truly, for some reason, glorified in my mind and chose to ignore all the wrongs they did. I don't know why I did it, but I just felt like some part of me really admired her. She seemed like she had it all together. She was dressed like the popular kids in all of my old schools. She seemed she had a funny personality. And she had been there for me in some of the worst times in my life. 
However, she was cruel about people's appearances. Not that I could sit there and say much about it, considering I participated in her behavior. As well as the way she treated her boyfriend. It seemed terrible. But I didn't want to acknowledge these things because I needed her in my life for some strange reason. I felt like maybe she was a younger version of my mother and I could hold on to her and fix her and she could be there for me in such a way of the way my mother wasn't. But then she snapped at me. She snapped at me because I didn't want to deal with her lies anymore. I I had started to get quieter and quieter with the more stories she told. It just bothered me so much to hear these things about people who hadn't done anything wrong. As well as I was tired of her constantly asking me if everything was okay in our friendship. Because the more and more she did it, the more and more I was convinced there wasn't. Finally, I said, if I had an issue with you, I would tell you. But you saying this just makes me have so much anxiety. Because every time she'd ask me if our friendship was okay, I just wanted to shut down and stay in my apartment for five days and not leave. It was funny because the last message she had ever sent to me was one where she said, I respect you. But she also said, you know, I hope you're happy with your power trip. Stop acting like an edgy high schooler just because you didn't peak in high school. And I thought to myself, you know why I didn't peak in high school. I was too busy getting violated physically and mentally to get peaking to be peaked i know all my friends make fun of it being like who peaks in high school like if you peaked in high school that's not a compliment but what bothers me is she knew why i couldn't have a normal high school life she knew that it destroyed me that my peers opinions of me were low how many times had i cried to her saying that i was so upset about the way they looked at me in high school. I was a weird, edgy kid. I would wear chokers, and I had dyed hair. And that's just the way I was. Because I felt safe in looking that way. It was my one form of expressing my identity at that time. It was the one thing I had. If wasn't trying to garner attention if maybe that's what I think one of my classmates thought I remember one of the words when I was 16 years old that always stayed all of these words that haunt me one of the things that haunted me was this person coming up to me we'll say his name was Vishnu Vishnu coming up to me and saying do you wake up in the mirror and see yourself and think my parent, your parents are proud of you It had hurt so much because what he didn't understand is, yeah, my parents weren't proud of me. I was being told every day that I should have been aborted by my own mother. 
I don't know if he would hear this and even regret his words. Knowing what was happening to me, I don't think so. They'd probably just be spiteful and say that it was my fault for trying to garner attention in this way. My other classmates had went up to two of my close friends and asked, Why are you friends with Davy? She's so weird. She's so creepy. And I don't, I remember that broke me. Because what had I ever said to you guys? What had I ever said to them? I never even spoke to them once in my life. I mean, I've spoken to some of them, but I remember one of the girls who said it. I never even spoke to her. And yeah, we were a tiny class of 24 students in my Indian high school. But I still never understood because I had never spoken to her. Why did people just hate me so unnecessarily? And I was spiteful because, let's say, hmm, we'll call this girl who I recently had a fight with. Hmm. We'll call her Mary. Mary knew all of this. Mary knew all of these issues. She knew and she chose to say words that you didn't peak in high school. As well as she told me, let me might I give you some advice? Maybe instead of focusing on your dramas, you should pay more attention to school. She knew the reason why I couldn't pay attention to school is because I was on three different meds trying to stop feeling depressed. What, did she assume I was some party animal? She had seen me break down from my mother's words so often. She had seen me say so many times to her, I don't want to wake up today. And yet she chose to say those things to me. I remember at one point when she was saying some things to me, does she want me to be dead? Does she want me to die? Is that what she wants to see happen? For me to be dead? I know that sounds a bit extreme, and I'm sure she didn't have that thought in her head at all. But everything feels extreme in a mind like mine. For a while, I was so angry. And then I was just sad. I had started to cry about it so often. Secretly in my room, I would cry. Even to my ex-boyfriend, I ended up breaking down in front of him as well. Something I thought I'd never do. But it's funny, lately I seem to be doing a lot of things I didn't think I'd do. It was funny because the words I said were she broke me. But now I think about it, she probably just left a bigger crack in the iceberg. 
Because I'd still somehow manage to keep up some sort of appearance. I think I'm going to end the podcast here today. I don't think I can say much more right now. So we have ended off with my story about Mary. That's all for now, folks.